welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite weekly podcast from Gentle Parents Unite Becoming Gentle with Sujai Johnston, Vivek Patel, and me, Margie Zeus. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or hot cocoa, whatever you love. Make sure you have a notebook and a pencil so you can jot down your thoughts and questions. Sit back and enjoy. Gentle Parents Unite podcast. This is season three, episode number four. And I'm here with you, our listeners, and Vivek Patel. Howdy, Vivek. Hi, Margie. How are you? You know, I'm I'm doing really good. I'm also in kind of like a really deeply emotional state these days because my my father's really sick, and is, it looks like he's about to pass away. Mm, yeah. So I've really been thinking a lot about relationships and a lot about, um, you know, my priorities and my values and what's really important to me in life. Yeah. And certainly doing this podcast and 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 supporting the parents in our in our Patreon group and in Gentle Parents Unite is one of the major. Um, I think one of the major ways I kind of feel like I, I contribute and, and make a difference and give meaning to my life. So I'm really grateful to be doing this podcast with the with the two of you every every week. Oh my. Wow. I'm I am also really grateful. <laughs> this speaks to a deep need I didn't even realize I had in my life. And mm-hmm. it really fills my cup in so many wonderful ways. Not the least of which is being able every week to say hello to you and to speak to you and also uh, Sujai. And I'm going to say that right now. Hi, Sujai. Hi, Margie. Hi, Vivek. How are you, Sujai? I am doing really good. Wonderful. We have such a wonderful episode for you today it's really up there in the uh on in the specialness quotient if there is such a thing uh and uh we are going to have an interview with um someone who is very very close to uh to vivek a few (laughs) (laughs) last season we interviewed Shivani Patel, and that was a great episode. My mom. This is Vivek's mom. Yeah. And today, we are going to speak to another member of Vivek's family. I'm very excited that it's, it's going to be my daughter that today that we speak to. And uh, my daughter is 22 and has a very unique perspective because she was raised 
with gentle parenting from the very beginning, never punished, never given any consequences, never told no, no rules, never told what to do, no limits, no boundaries, no authority, nothing. <laughs> and, all, and on top of all those no's, there was also the yeses, which were deep connection, deep listening, deep responding, deep learning together and exploring together and uh and you know learning about life and laughter and and love together and we really really focused on on that all the way through mm -hmm. and so having her share her experience of that and um uh is really for me it's really exciting i'm very excited about this interview i i had i have been looking forward to this and so have our patreon members you know we have a patreon uh you may have heard about it uh you might be hearing this as a member of the Patreon. Patreon members get to listen to our podcasts ad-free and two weeks before the rest of the world. So that's one thing. But another thing is that we asked the members of our Patreon group to submit questions for Vivek's daughter to ponder and to respond to. And so we we got a whole lot of questions and and that's really what makes up the the content for our interview. It's really wonderful because parents get to hear us. When I say us, I mean uh, Vivek, Sujai, and me. They get to hear us talk about um, why this parenting approach is so important and so valuable and so fulfilling. And uh, so they, they get our perspective of it. But to get a kid's perspective of it, what was it like to be gently parented? And I love that we put put it out to our our members because they gave us some great questions. Mm -hmm. Our members are going to find out. Vita is an amazing young person. She is very deep and intellectual and has some beautiful insights. Yeah. She's articulate and deeply connected, and uh, she really gives some great perspective. And wise beyond her years, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I want to qualify what you just said with something, because it has been my experience that children are infinitely wise. Maybe not so much in a worldly way because, you know, they're, they're newbies on the planet, but they do have access to this infinite wisdom that is not determined by how long they've been in their bodies. Mm. And, right? And so in our parenting approach, this gentle parenting approach, we appreciate that and we honor that. And we help our kids recognize that and actualize that and become friends with themselves in that way. And so, listeners, what you're about to hear is what it sounds like to talk to a kid who has been honored in such a deep way. All right. All right. So after the break, you will get to meet Vivek's daughter, Vitz.
And we're back. And we have the honor of a wonderful, wonderful guest. And uh, Vivek, would you like to introduce our very, very special guest? Yes, thank you. As you know, uh, today's episode is special to me also. Uh, my, my beautiful daughter and best friend, is gonna be, we're going to be interviewing her today. Um, Vitz is 22 years old, and we've been buddies and learning partners for over two decades now. And when she was born, my wife and I, we, we, looked, uh, we looked into her eyes and we knew at that moment that we would never want to punish her, we never wanted to control her, we never wanted to have authority over her. We wanted to create like a really deep, natural, human relationship with each other based on freedom and uh, really honoring each other. And you know, in the early days, we got criticized for that all the time because it was like, oh, she's going to end up being a terrible person and be selfish and rude. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and of course, then people started to see the relationship we started to develop, started to see the way we interacted with each other, rarely ever see adults and, and kids, let alone parents and children, interacting the way that we do. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, in, in teaching all of this stuff for so many years, um, Vitz is also really very powerful in her understanding of all of this stuff, and she has her own lived experience, and has agreed to talk to us today about that experience. And, uh, and I feel very, uh, very blessed with that, because she's such a powerful person, uh, she's very loving, and she's very kind. And at the same time, she really knows her boundaries and she really cares about herself. So it's kind of like a, that combination of generosity and taking care of oneself. And I think that's the perfect combination. And uh, so I learn a lot from her all the time. And I imagine I'm going to learn a lot from her in this conversation as well. And so, Vitz, welcome to our call. Thanks. That was quite the intro. My ego has been boosted. Excellent. That's, that's my primary job. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome, Vitz. I can't thank you enough for um, for stepping up and doing this. I'm really looking forward to to hearing this, being part of this, and and to hearing what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm excited to see what I say as well. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so one of the cool things about this particular interview is it's not the questions are largely coming from our uh, Patreon members. And um, if you're hearing this podcast and you're wondering what I'm talking about when I say our Patreon members, what I mean is uh, uh, patreon.com slash gentle parents unite. That's our subscription group. And um, I'm not going to say anything more about it. You can find out by going to that, and there'll be a link to that in our show notes. But uh, those members have submitted a bunch of questions uh, because a lot of those folks haven't haven't experienced gentle parenting as as children, and they hear us talk about it as parent educators and coaches, but it's kind of cool to have the opportunity to hear it right from someone who has, who has lived this experience. Yeah, I, I, people were really excited when we made that post. 
and uh, and said, "Who? What kind of questions would you want to answer, ask somebody who's been raised in this uh, really connected, non-coercive, um, non-authoritarian way for so long?" Um, and we got a bunch of really great questions, which I'm excited to pose to you, Veets, and uh, and follow up and see what happens. Um, I'm I'm excited. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so so the the first question that we have for you is this um, has being parented so gently never being told no made you more sensitive to the hurt of the outside world maybe less resilient i would say that it would be kind of both in a way more what is it more sensitive and more resilient i would say i think oh sorry no that's cool i think i'm able to analyze the world in a different way because i can feel deeper mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes in the world, if someone's directing something at me, it's not truly at me, so I can distance myself from that. Cool. Mm. I wonder, do you have any, do any examples of that come to mind? Hmm. And it's, it's okay um, if they don't. <laughs> no, I would say at work. There was this one time this lady came in she was so angry and she was yelling at me. She probably almost wanted to throw suitcases around. Whoa. I, I used to work in a luggage store. Okay. And she was just so angry. But because of how I could see it wasn't directed at me, I could calmly talk to her and like make her calm down as well. And we, she felt like I was on her team in the end. And she loved me. And she even called in and was like, this was the best experience I ever had after having the worst experience I ever had. And it, it, I think being able to see that mm -hmm. and distance myself from that helped or was, yeah, mm. that kind of trailed off. No, that's cool. <laughs> Sounds as if you were able to hold space for her anger without taking it personally in such a beautiful way that a lot of people might not have been able to see past that anger and um, step into a place of self-defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Vita, I'm wondering, is there an experience that you had being gently parented that you can sort of correlate with this experience that you had at, at, at your job that time? can't pick like a specific thing because I can't really remember that far back in my childhood. Sure. But I can kind of just feel this, what I did, like I did for that lady, a space where I could be angry, I could be sad or happy or whatever, or rambunctious mm -hmm. and not feel criticized for it. And mm. they knew that it wasn't possibly directed at them. And if, even if it was, they could still help me figure out why I was feeling this way and they could tell me why they did this and I could figure out why it made me feel this way and we could work through it that way wow. if that makes sense 
not only did it make sense, <laughs> that's like that, that's, uh, that's the mother load right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, in my, in my estimation, you know, being able to experience something and then adopt it and, you know, sort of take it on and say, okay, this, this is the way I want to interact with the world. Not because somebody told you you had to do it that way, but because you experienced it and you recall how it felt. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a thing where even if I'm not happy, I try to make everyone else feel just a little bit happier. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where does that, uh, where does that, like, how does that work? Where does that come from? What do you mean? Well, like, what do I mean? That's a good question. <laughs> um, how do you how do you relate to that idea without making it like a sacrifice or hurting yourself, but at the same time helping other people? How do you balance those things? Because a lot of people will try and be nice to other people at a sacrifice to themselves, like your grandmother does sometimes, mm-hmm. and, it, and you can see it really damage. Love you, Shivani. And yeah. you can see it. You can see it really damages her in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't do that. I, from what my observation, you don't do that. It's true. So how do you take care of yourself and still, you know, have that sense of generosity to other people? I think I do it so I can feel happy because I feel that when someone else is happy, it makes me happy as well. Mm-hmm. I say to people, I'm the most selfish person I know because everything I do is for the benefit of myself, even making someone else happy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so well articulated i mm. love that and um and i, I feel the same way mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome and also uh, a lot of people might argue that trying to make everybody happy is more of a trauma response than um coming from a place of inner calm and the way that you've articulated it certainly directs towards a place of inner calm and self-comfort more so than fear of hurting others or trying to balance everything for the benefit of others which would be more fall into the category of trauma response and you're coming from a place where it feels good to help others feel good and help others through life and that's such a wonderful way to be and such a wonderful way to look at it and see it Yeah, I know. I, I often try and not, I often try and make people feel better just so they won't be angry at me. Right. <laughs> no, it's <a> very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, or 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 just that they'll accept me. Right. You know, because right. if I, I, and the the cool thing is, when I was listening to you, Beats, saying that, and I realized I do that too. I feel like I'm. I'm selfish in my desire to elevate other people. I do it for me, not even so much for them. However, I was not there at 22. (laughs) It took me quite a long time to come Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. I only got it within the last couple of years, I would say. So it, it does take time. Maybe it's three years. Maybe it's, 40 years, maybe it's 80 years, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. So, so there's a second question 
And that is, is there anything about gentle parenting that you didn't like or would change? I I don't think so. <laughs> um, it, it just seemed nice, I guess. I don't really remember anything else but being parented nicely, I guess. Yeah. But, but still learning enough and understanding enough at the same time, which I guess some people don't see that happening with gentle parenting. Right. I think. Yeah, they often think it's just a free-for-all and there's mm. no guidance and there's no deep learning that happens. Mm. Right. I, 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 so my, my kid isn't on the call, obviously, and at the, at the risk of putting words in his mouth, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that he would have answered it pretty much the same way. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He He just... And he doesn't remember an awful lot about his childhood so much either. He said it was just all a big blur of feeling pretty good. Yep. Yep. I feel that. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. You know, Vita, I had an interesting experience. I haven't actually talked to you about this yet. I had an interesting experience with a conversation we had maybe a couple of months ago where, uh, <laughs> where <laughs> I know she's nervous, where, uh, we were talking, your mom and I were talking about how um, for many years we struggled financially and, uh, and things were really difficult, especially when you were young. And, uh, and um, I mean, things are still difficult, but when, we were young, when you were young, they were really difficult. And a lot of the time, for most of the time, when you asked for things, we, we had to say no to you because we just couldn't afford it. And, uh, and yet, um, you know, what I always teach parents and what we always did was we didn't say no. We said, yes, we really, really want to get that for you. We care about it so much and we can't right now, but let's all put our minds to it and set a vision for it. And we really care about it. So we all had the same desire. Um, and so when we were talking about struggling, you came up afterwards and you said, you know, Dad, I, I never knew we were struggling. <laughs> mm-hmm. even, even though we had to say no for so many things. It was the the environment that we all created for ourselves and our family meant it didn't feel like we were struggling, and I just felt so uh, so touched by that, um, recognizing that you had that experience. Because a lot of people are like, "Oh, you say yes to your kids all the time. What if you can't afford it?" Like we couldn't afford anything, <laughs> and we and we still said yes. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah. What was it like for you when you had when we said that and you had that realization or that moment? I can't really do anything. It was in the past, but it's it just nice to know that I didn't feel that stress at that age. Yeah. I guess an added stress of already learning a new thing, which is everything. <laughs> really having to learn everything. Yeah. yeah. I can't get over how, how parallel our lives are. <laughs> Uh, because we had such a similar thing you know we were on the one income and I you know I we couldn't barely afford you know we were really struggling month to month and uh Liam was never really aware of it and it wasn't that we you know we were extravagant with him how could we be but we never said no 
we always said, let's figure out how. Mm. And yeah. and I also remember applauding his master manifestation skills, which I strongly believed in and still do. And he and he believed in them too. And I think mm. that that changed his relationship. He's got a way better relationship with abundance than I do. <laughs> mm. In a lot of ways, that's that's why I say I the, the thing I'll take credit for is getting out of his way. I like that. <laughs> um, so there's another question, and I think uh, this is probably one of my favorite questions on this list. And one of the reasons this is one of my favorite questions is it's something that parents are so intense about these days. Every other parenting article is about this, and it's about TV and screens mm-hmm. and the Internet. And, you know, it's become it's become like one of the most popular things for parents to stress about. And uh, and every, everywhere I go, I see parents stressing, setting limits for their kids, setting limits for their kids. The problem is... Every time they set a limit for their kid and the kid wants to watch more TV and they want them to watch less TV, there's this battle that happens. And maybe the battle is won successfully by the parents, but you're still in a battle. <laughs> Even if you're, whether you're winning or losing, you're still in a battle. And then your house is a battleground rather, this pl- <laughs> rather than this place of love and connection, right? So growing up, like we certainly were very clear that we trusted you with however much you wanted to watch and whatever it meant to you. And we never put any restrictions on um, we, we didn't even want to relate to you from a perspective where we were had the authority to put those kind of restrictions on you. And because uh, even just even just if I held it in my mind that I could do that, and I and I held it in my back pocket all this time, that would still put a distance between us, right? So we just said no. We're taking that off the table. And uh, and so, but what we did do, of course, was we would talk about the shows. We would talk about what made sense to watch. We would talk about the way different things affect you, both positively and possibly challengingly. I remember that. You remember those conversations? I do sometimes. Ah. Mm. Can you can you say anything that you remember? I remember we were watching The Matrix when I was like six or something. Right. I remember the scene. You told me that. At some points, there are these scenes that you would tell me not to watch, and you explain why, and I just trust you. So I would close my eyes during the scenes and open it up when you told me to open them back up. Wow. Same thing with Kill Bill. Still haven't watched it, but you told me that once you turn this age, we can finally watch it because I think you'll mentally be ready for it, and it won't impact you in too much in a negative way because you'll be able to understand what is happening better. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And and you knew at the time that I wasn't saying no. I was offering you this as a suggestion mm-hmm. and I'm giving you the free will to yeah. choose it or not, right? Yeah. Amazing. Ah, that's amazing that you remember those those kind of uh, guidances and conversations. Yeah. I appreciate that. And so the question, <laughs> which I which I really love, um, and I think it's a question in a lot of people's minds that people are going to become addicted to television, whatever. So the question is, you were allowed unlimited television. Did that turn you into someone passive and just watching life pass you by? Or are you engaged in seeking knowledge, information, and following your passions? I think so. (laughs) I think TV helps me with that in a way. The main thing I remember is that it helped me get closer to my friends because we would 
when we were young, we would come over to my house or someone else's house. We'd sit in front of the TV with our lunch and laugh and talk and watch TV together. It was like a daily thing almost. We would go to one of our houses because we all lived in the same neighborhood. It was so great. That's so awesome. Yeah. I don't remember the second thing I was going to say, but the third thing I was going to say is now we as a family almost nightly watch TV together. And it's just so nice to be together and laugh at the same thing and be able to talk about it a week later and still laugh about it because you, you bonded over the nightly TV watching ritual. And the second thing I wanted to say, nope, I still forgot it. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I got it, I got it. It probably showed me different passions I have now. Like it taught me about photography. It taught me about film. It taught me about animals and music, school documentaries you know yeah and now the internet is my life <laughs> last year and this year i think i watched like 500 hours of this show which is called critical role where a bunch of people watch or played dungeons and dragons for a few hours and it helped expand my imagination wow. and i can picture almost anything now when someone describes describes it to me thanks to the show and your storytelling ability has like gone off the charts too. When you tell a story, everyone around is just completely in the world that you're telling the story. Mm. It's really true. It's all thanks to the internet. Yeah. Critical Role is the name of that show, right? Yes. Yeah. The best. Yeah. And what I love about it is that you're watching YouTube, but it's like an, this ancient art of storytelling that you're bonding with. You yeah. know, I really love that. Mm -hmm. It's just tiny little plastic figurines and people talking to each other. <laughs> the best. And so, how do you feel about how do you feel about parents who are like afraid of their kids, not uh, like like becoming well? What they often say is they'll become zombies and, uh, if they watch too much, right? So, how do you feel? How do you how would you respond to parents who are so afraid, uh, and in a way that they could trust their kids more? I think if they maybe try to why this child likes doing this so much and why they want to keep watching it and bond with them that way it'll help them you, you know I, I have some thoughts on that and and you can see if this resonates mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I have noticed is that if someone tells me or Im imposes a restriction on me externally, I resent it. And I, I want to be the one who controls my experience. Okay. And I, I want my autonomy around these things. And so I think for... Uh, young people and for older people, mm -hmm. if we tell them you can only watch, well, actually, I have a couple of thoughts about this. The first one is if you can, you can only watch between three o'clock and five o'clock p.m. Uh, or only watch on Saturday mornings, you create a taboo around it, you make it limited, and then um, if then you say, you know what, watch however much you want. The kid is going to watch as much as possible because they're wondering when that restriction is going to come down on them again. That's 
one thing. The other thing is it takes you out of the experience so much because now I can only watch it between three and five and I'm, I'm seeing like it's it's ten minutes before five and this thing is going to end soon and it and you don't get to really be in the experience now you're worried about the experience and about the quality of the experience mm. and so it creates a lot of anxiety I think. And then there's one other thing, and that is what you were talking about. You know, when you're when you're really digging a show, you're watching a show, and like you're really into it, and you're really appreciating it, and um, you're, you're just kind of lost in it, and fascinated by the different the different aspects of it, uh, and for example, we used to talk a lot about because Liam used to like Power Rangers a lot, and so I didn't particularly like Power Rangers, but he did, and so yeah. I I watched with him. I appreciated his appreciation of it, and we would talk about all kinds of things about set design and stunt people and story development and and the athletics involved and special effects and costumes and all we we just really got into it it was really cool so let's say he's watching something and all of a sudden in the middle of it i say oh it's five o'clock you have to turn it off but he's right in the middle of it yeah right yeah how how horrible is that Mm -hmm. so I would I wouldn't like that if someone did that to me and said to no. me this arbitrary time thing which isn't real anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that uh, there are so many things that we can do to mess up our kids' experience with um, media, television, YouTube. You know, social media we can we we have a lot of latitude with messing that up mm-hmm. and i think trusting our kids to know themselves around it is really a powerful gift mm-hmm. i think on top of that adding an explanation as to why or the pros and cons of tv and mm-hmm. watching too much is also something that should be added to that because young people don't understand why they can only watch three hours of TV. It's just a fun thing for them to do. Why can I only watch three hours? But if you explain that maybe it's this much, but they still want to watch more, then let them watch more. But they know now that if they exert themselves too much, maybe this will happen and that stuff. They can set their own limits on that and not be forced into having their own limits or forced onto having someone else's limits. Yeah. You know, informing kids is a very trusting thing to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And respectful. Mm -hmm. We used to watch the ads with our kid so that uh, he would be a good consumer of ads. You know, he would he would be less likely to have the wool pulled over his eyes around it. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's funny because t- 
totally unrelated story, but it reminded me of a time when my um, now 15 year old was like four years old and he stayed up incredibly late and um, was watching infomercials on TV. <laughs> and he, actually, he actually called that it was at the time it was like these um these bags that you put your stuff in vacuum bags or something and <laughs> right. it was it was quite funny of course the you know the order was not placed because he was like five and they were like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, it reminded me of that time when he probably could have used somebody watching some ads with him to help him be a <laughs> wife. And, um, you know, we did have some great conversations after the fact about being a good consumer and making sure we only make purchases that, you know, are wise mm-hmm. and not just on us. Uh, uh, I have to say, I did get those bags. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I, and I They're was more than. I, I love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Infomercials have their place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I just want folks to know this uh, podcast is not uh, sponsored <clears throat> by the Space Bank. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. <laughs> You know, Vise, I wanted to circle back to something that you said earlier because it really, uh, it really touched me. Was when you said um, that TV is uh, one way that we bond as a family. You mm-hmm. know, and I think uh, one of the things that people often forget is that uh, how we relate to something has such a big difference in how it plays out in our lives. So if we relate to something as if it's a bonding experience, as if we're all connected through it, then it becomes a source of connection, not disconnection. That's why even on my even on my Facebook page, Meaningful Ideas, and everybody listening to this should follow me at Meaningful Ideas. Even on my what did you say? Shameless plug. Shameless plug, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and uh, even on my Facebook page, the picture I have is you and me sitting beside each other, both of us on our own phones, right? <laughs> and class, classically, people would think that's a disconnected moment. Oh, they're just they're not even they're right beside each other and they're just on their phones. But the two of us were so connected in that moment, you know, we were so in love with each other and just enjoy, we were at Niagara Falls and we were just enjoying that day and we were blissed out really with each other. And, uh, and your mom captured that moment. And I just love the kind of like the contradiction or the paradox in that. Yeah, I remember that day. It was fun. <laughs> you know, it reminds me that it doesn't do anybody any justice to make judgments about what we see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shall we go on to another question? Sure. Cool. So here's a question. Do you feel more hopeful about big issues facing society than your more harshly raised peers? And and what is different with how you relate to those issues? Um, I don't think I'm more hopeful about issues facing society because no matter how nicely your parents are at home, the outside world will probably still suck. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that. That really reaches a core issue that I am so glad that you touched on organically that way. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, I do think I'm able to distance myself from it differently as well. I don't entirely know how I can distance myself but I feel this little bit of 
I can safely be away from that, I guess. I don't know. I have a safety box at home, and I can always come back to my safety box. All right. So would you would you say then that this sort of speaks to your resiliency? Yeah, I would. Uh, that seems that seems right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have a a, a deeper connection with yourself, perhaps mm. like like your true self. And that's where I think we get our resiliency from. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's not scientific. <laughs> that's just a guess on my part. Could yeah. be, could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at this next question. And I'm I'm kind of chomping at the bit to hear what you have to say about it. Are we are we cool to move on to another question? For sure. All right. So this one is, I'm curious to know if you ever craved more boundaries since you were never told no. And the question goes on. Do you remember thinking, I want someone to stop me? I and The writer says, I always worry that if I don't set quote unquote loving limits, and this is all a quote, my child will not feel safe. What are your thoughts about that? I think as a child, I didn't crave boundaries because if I wasn't clear on how far I should go on something, I would ask. And then a organic boundary would be created in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have like an example of that? I don't. I just have this vague feeling kind of thing and random images but not really a a memory i think i wonder if you if you might have a a parent view for sure you know i think the thing the thing about the question itself is it's a lot of these questions uh, and i understand why it's the case but a lot of these questions come from a mindset that is um like about one foot in the old mindset and one foot in the new mindset, really. Um, and uh, and so a lot of the questions don't, as they are, don't in- directly apply to how we relate it to each other. Um, so uh, the idea of loving limits is that the kid is going to do something that's not good for them if you leave them to their own devices. And so I, who know more have to use the power that I have because I'm bigger and I have access to resources to make them do what I want them to do because it's in their own best interests, or I think it's in their own best interests. And we just didn't play that game at all, right? I mean, I'm sorry, it's insulting for me to call it a game for the people that are. <laughs> yeah, so I think that I think that boundaries, we did have boundaries in our house. They were just they were boundaries we all explored together. It wasn't like a, a course of boundaries where uh, I held any kind of boundary with authority of any kind. Like Veet said, she, she would ask a question or we would explore the thing together and then organically she would tune into her own life and and really her own wisdom and make a decision that way. Even, even uh, can I talk about you being sick? So she's, so she's been sick for the last few days. Really sick, poor dear. And, uh, and, and, 
even in deciding to record today, it was really hard for her. Even now her back is hurting and she's slumped on the couch. <laughs> so so uh, deciding to record today, for me, me and the two of you joining beautifully with that, holding space for her to tune into her wisdom meant whatever decision she made was going to be accepted. Whether it was too much for her or not, she would receive the same love and support for that decision. Therefore, she was free to really tune into, is this something I want to do? Is this something that makes sense to me? Do I want to hold a boundary? Do I want to push through the pain? What is right for me at this point? Mm -hmm. And the message we get all the time is, oh, if you let kids have that thing, they're just going to do whatever's easiest for them. But clearly that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) What was your experience like of of making the decision today? I'm just curious. I can't remember. I was so in pain (laughs) and sick. But... I feel good now doing this, so it seems like the right decision, I guess. I'm I'm really, really grateful. And I'm grateful I you know, I would have been grateful no matter what you decided. If mm-hmm. if you had said, Yeah, this isn't gonna work for me today, I would also have been grateful to you. Mm. Because I think oh sorry. No because I don't know. I just, I love when people honor themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, I think from my vague memory of my sick haze this morning, I could really feel that from you too. And it helped me relax and really figure out what I wanted to do and not rush into a decision. Ah, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. That, that means a lot to me. Thank you as well. And I'm grateful for you because the end result is that um, we get to have a much more um, deep and connected connection or conversation because, you know, there's no pressure on whether or not you should be here or when this should have happened or anything. You know, it, it just flowed so organically that it happened exactly when we were all feeling right about it. That's so mm-hmm. beautiful to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, interestingly, I kind of have some insight from a personal perspective to this question as well. Growing up, when I was a teenager, there really weren't any limits or boundaries on me. Like, I could disappear for three days and nobody would care. Uh-huh. And I think that that um, as an adult at the time as a child I really did not wish for more limits or boundaries I think as an adult looking back I wonder why um, people didn't worry about me (laughs) Mm, interesting Um, I would find that that much more relates to a permissive and disconnected parenting style where like Vita said that um, you know if she was wondering how far she could go or should go, she would have a conversation about it. Where in um, the cases of those who may have craved more limits and boundaries, they may have been dealing with a much more permissive parenting or hands-off parenting style. Where if we're gently parented, we actually have that safe comfort spot where we can lean on for support. Instead of craving a boundary, we're able to lean to a trustworthy adult, mentor, peer, um, somebody that we can look up to to help us through the situation where if, you know, it's more hands-off than 
it may feel like we wanted more boundaries, but truly what we were seeking was more guidance, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Pa- parents are very much mentors and not just people to raise a child to adulthood. Right. I think parents have a very varied role that's, that's or multidimensional role in, mm-hmm. in this uh, very beautiful and complex relationship and it evolves and morphs uh, depending on the the needs and the capabilities of the child. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I, you know, I I used to hear about boundaries all the time as a, as a parent of a young kid. And uh, some always stuck in my craw about, (laughs) about that until I realized that the boundary that I wanted my child to experience, if any at all, was my uh, metaphorical arms encircling the two of us, you know, so that he felt safe and accepted and, um, and, included and honored and that that boundary uh, was one i could i could feel good to hold and in that boundary was uh you know a lot of mutuality mutual respect mutual caring um obviously only only up and to what my kid was able to do at the time i couldn't expect him to care about my needs and feelings as a two-year-old, that's that would be uh, silliness. Mm-hmm. But but um, because I had that boundary, I guess, as he got older and more capable of uh, being aware of his own um, agency and, and and citizenship in the family then he could step into that role because it was always modeled for him. Mm. It, it seems to me like an ever-expanding boundary. That's yeah. like a, it's like a circle that's always around them, protecting them, but in a way that they just feel like it's part of themselves. Mm. That's a very beautiful um, image. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I... I'm actually very appreciative of how you described it, Reese, as a safety box at home. How lovely mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I had someone recently on a post talk about how... It was some post where I talked about not saying no to your kids. and Because uh, I talk about that all the time. All the time. And, uh, and one of the things... person was saying, what if your kid wants I- ice cream? They're just about to go to sleep. And they're in bed and you've done the whole nighttime routine and brushed their teeth and then they want ice cream, right? So for me, the way we grew up, if, if, if Vitz would ever say something like that, I'd be, do you want ice cream at home or should we go downtown? <laughs> and, we, and we would jump in the car and go downtown. Now, we've done that a number of times at midnight or 2 a.m. We've gone downtown for ice cream or something like that. And the thing is, if I ever said no, I mean, I might have said I'm too tired, but that's not no. You right. Know? And... Uh, it's it's I would love that. Let's try, let's do it tomorrow. Maybe I'll get an extra sleep yeah. so that we can really have a good time. And then it feels so good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but if I ever actually said no to you and stopped you from having ice cream, then suddenly the ice cream becomes a point of power between us. Yeah, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I can't, I can't be a guide and a mentor to you about food anymore because, like Margie said, a part of you is always going to be wondering when I'm going to drop that control. Explanations are always important. Explanations from a part from a place of love are are important. Yeah, just an explanation as to why you don't want you're saying no. Yeah, or not right now, or I can't see how we're going to do this because X Y Z. And then being open to hearing, well, I have an idea from from the, the kid and saying, mm -hmm. well, okay, dude, I'm, I'm totally wanting to hear your idea. Totally. And this, this helps a kid see their power as a really good problem solver. Mm. How is that not helpful in, uh, in the rest of their life? Yeah. Mm. So our next question goes a little something like this. Do you feel the self-doubt and shame that most of humanity deals with constantly? Do you think conscious parenting can avoid it? And so newsflash, uh, most of humanity deals with self-doubt and shame. For sure. I totally okay. agree. Okay. <laughs> I think personally I'm able to feel my emotions and also analyze them at the same time so I can understand why I'm feeling that way and not just feel that way. Just feel that way, you know? <laughs> so so are you telling us that you don't buy your own stories all the time? Yes. That that is a very good way of putting it. <laughs> well thank you. Mm hmm Uh do do you have an example of how that might have played out in your life? at some point yeah a few months ago i guess i was i was angry for some reason but i had no idea why i was angry so i just kind of sat in my room and read and put it at the back of my head so i could feel why i was thinking that way and then suddenly i realized that it wasn't anger it was like me some other emotion that i was turning into anger because of some other thought that made me think about this other thing that made me think it was this thing that was under a carpet over there for years and then just going probably back to childhood. I don't entirely remember, wow. but I remember the conclusion was something that I didn't get to do when I was a kid that I was angry about because I couldn't do it. Hmm. But it wasn't anything that like my parents did it was just like right. outwardly things that made me feel like i couldn't do it because i had to do these other things mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow that is so cool <laughs> i i'm so full disclosure while we're doing this conversation i'm crocheting a blanket <laughs> and um while you were telling this process, I actually stopped <laughs> crocheting and my jaw dropped open 
And I was, I'm just so enamored of what you said. I think it's huge. Why so, Margie? Well, it's so easy to accept the first thought we have mm -hmm. and, and to dwell in our misery and sort of wear it and not see what it's made of and just accept it. It's easy to do that. Doing yeah. what you did, Vitz, is profound and it isn't the easiest thing. It's not the first thing that we do. We get comfortable in our misery mm -hmm. in a way. It's uncomfortable, but it's comfortable. Yeah. You know? And it's like a safety blanket, kind of. Exactly. But a negative one. A negative one, one that sort of keeps us down. I know, mm -hmm. here I am saying I know, I believe <laughs> that it's our small e ego that does that. And we listen to it and we buy it because we don't know not to. Mm. So that you were able to question it really and to explore it and to find a, a pearl of truth in that mess mm -hmm. and then boost yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, find reality. Absolutely. That is, that's a fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm able to do that now because I said earlier about like my parents holding space for me to feel angry and everything. So I learned from them how to make my own safe space for me to analyze my anger and everything. Yeah. This is a practice of sitting with our emotions. And it's a practice that us adults who weren't um, particularly parented gently, that we really have to work to learn. And it takes years of practice to be able to go through the process of sitting with and processing an emotion. And it's so amazing to hear coming from you that at 22 years old, this is a second language for you or a first language for you. You know, right. it's just amazing it's um mm -hmm. truly what we teach and um what we're offering to the people who join us on patreon and the people who follow us on facebook is one of the most powerful tools we give them is this emotional understanding and how they can take themselves through this process that comes to you so naturally it's amazing mm -hmm. beautiful mm -hmm. And you know, Margie, you said uh, you said people don't do it because they don't know how. Um, and actually, I think you know um, we're actually those of us that were parented traditionally, we're, we were actually tr specifically trained in the opposite. <laughs> you know, we were we were trained to repress because it was the way we survived, the way we gained acceptance, uh, the way we we avoided. Um, disconnection and, and uh, criticism right and uh and because i i don't think i ever said to Vitz, hey Vitz, you should feel all your emotions and then analyze them and then learn what was at the root of them and then <laughs> i didn't think i ever said that right no <laughs> i think that is something that you discovered through your own process yeah yeah that definitely helped no exactly 
And it's a new thing for me because I've been really self-analyzing myself over the last like year, year and a half. Listeners, I want you to raise your hand if uh, you ever heard as a child, oh, come on, you don't really feel that way. Mm. Right? Yeah. What does all that invalidation do but create a rift between ourselves and our own truth? Mm. Also, just one more thing to add. I think I analyze so deeply because of how deep my dad analyzes things. So it just kind of, throughout osmosis, I just kind of got that analytical ability as well. There you go. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and that, that underscores something that you said, Sujai, and that is, you know, we speak the language our parents speak. That's our first language. And anything that we adopt later becomes our, our second language. Mm. So, so, Vitz, you grew up speaking emotional intelligence as your first language. <laughs> yeah, that seems, seems right. So shall we move on to our, our next question? Or Sujai, mm. did you have something to add, my dear? I was just going to voice one last time how grateful I am for that question and for the um, response behind it blew my mind and um, just fully grateful that we were able to um, touch on that topic that way in a way that's really comprehensive to people and they can see um, what the ultimate goal in gentle parenting really is that positive mental health and that emotional intelligence. So for me, this was really one of the most important questions and the answer is absolutely a tearjerker. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's beautiful about it for me is it's not so much about avoiding the experience or avoiding the feelings, but that, uh, that we can help our kids have tools to manage them and uh, to integrate them into their lives so that they're not, you know, like you said, they don't, they're not struggling and thinking they're stuck. But when these normal human experiences come, they have tools and the capacity to use those tools to help guide them through. Right. You know, uh, you just said something that reminded me of something else. And I just... That's how we roll. That's how we roll. And I'm so grateful to you for it. Uh, One of the things that we have learned through... we, We, the people who have been more traditionally parented, is we have learned to not trust or listen to our feelings so much, Mm. but rather listen to the feelings of the people in authority. Mm. However, um, feelings are our friends. (laughs) They give us important information that we need to have. Our physical feelings tell us when we're about to hurt ourselves, our emotional feelings tell us when we might want to seek safety or we might want to go uh, you know, further. And it occurs to me that a person who's grown up with emotional intelligence spoken as a first language already knows that they can be friends with their feelings. Mm-hmm. So shall we move on to the next question? Totally. All right. This question goes a little something like this. I want to know how she, meaning you, Veet, <laughs> I, I want to know how you experienced the word freedom. And I'm just going to throw in that this 
uh, we're not we're not mentioning who asked each of these questions, but this question was asked by Rathia, who we interviewed on a recent podcast. What? Yes, actually, that podcast is coming out on the third of February. Right. Somehow Which I know these be, things. Yeah, that's amazing. Which will be in the past when people hear this. That's right. <laughs> Yes, the word freedom. How do you experience the word freedom? This well, is maybe... a difficult question. <laughs> uh, what were you going to say? I'm thinking actually the concept freedom. Mm. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think I feel the word freedom as me being able to feel me, if that makes sense. That's so deep. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's me being able to feel me. Hmm. Mm. I think it's like me going out into the world now and in the past that I could go out even if I was being beaten down by all the societal whatever's and what's it who'sins, I could still remember who I was and that spark would still be there. So that I knew I had the freedom to do what I always wanted to in the end. Even if it felt like I couldn't on the surface. Right. right. Wow. Phew. <laughs> And so it sounds like that relationship with yourself is the core of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any times that you feel not free or less free? For sure. But then the last question, I just work through it. It might take three years. It might take five years. Uh It might take a minute. Uh But I have to work through it to feel it again. Because it's an inner thing. Yeah. For me. And what's the rush? Yeah. <laughs> if you feel rushed, things usually takes less, or usually things take more time. Yeah. Very, very true. And I, I start really rushing, and I can see the physical result of it. Like, I start dropping things or forgetting yeah. things and um, going to do something, and I have to be in the car in a certain time, and I drive down the block, and I realize I forgot the paperwork that I needed to take or something like that. And I'm like, okay, Mm. there went 10 minutes. I was too rushed. (laughs) (laughs) And there's definitely a difference between being rushed and moving fast as well. Right. Right. (laughs) It sounds to me like being rushed comes from the outside and moving fast is something that you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like that Zen saying that's action and inaction and inaction and action. Yeah. That was a little brain twister there. Yeah. <laughs> it opened my like... thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a martial we do that in martial arts too, right? We have all this chaos and everybody's punching you and trying to hit you and everything. And inside you're still and calm and quiet and peaceful. And uh, and ninja. 
That's something I didn't mention before is that, you know, I, I'm a martial artist. So I've been doing martial arts over 30 years now. And when Vietz was born, right from the, almost the very beginning, really, as a baby, I would pick her hands up and do little punches. <laughs> and she's been learning about punching and kicking and, and, and uh, you know, taking people out uh, from the time she was very born, uh, from the time she was very young. And even like, you know, like exploring how her body worked, like balance, even when she would just start to stand on, on, on you know, when they would just start to stand on your lap and you hold their hands, um, I wouldn't just do that and say, how cute. I would say, oh, you look, you know, when your hips are above your feet and your chest is above your hips and your head is in alignment, you can balance. It's amazing how that works. And we would, and I would talk to her about that even at like zero months old. And, uh, and, and so the, the, this exploration of her, of her own body and her relationship to it has been, started very young. And, uh, and we also did martial arts. So we did a lot of martial art games. Um, she grew up having me throw things at her and having to dodge it. Almost everything in the apartment got thrown at her at some point. And so I'm just wondering, like, I, I mean, I'm kind of like inventing a question as we go because we were just talking about, uh, you know, that experience. I'm just curious how, what your relationship is to, to that, to martial arts, but also to your own body and to learning about your body. Because I think that's an important one. Yeah. <laughs> I think education like teaching a child that stuff even from like a subconscious age like when I was just learning to stand is very important and I would I am now able to really feel my movements in a different way in my body in a different way because I know certain things and be remember remember the feel and feel certain things about my body differently or not differently but better i have this belief and it's just my own belief but i i i believe it nevertheless uh i believe that uh kids do pick their parents and mm. i think that kids pick their parents because their parents are going to teach them something they need to know. Mm. And, uh, you know, you're folks listening, you're free to just blow me off here. Uh, it's just my belief. Uh, but sometimes, you know, our parents teach us about struggle by giving us struggle. You know, I'm not saying that that's right. Sometimes a kid will pick a, parent who's a martial artist you know and you did a really good job picking a conscious parent who, <laughs> who was uh, wanting to help you learn about that but perhaps my kid picked a couple of parents who were musicians mm. I don't know I could be right I could be wrong I don't know you know when I when I uh, interact with with Vietz, I really feel like who's sitting right in front of me. I feel, I really feel like we picked each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really feel that before either of us were born, we we knew we were going to end up here. I I subscribe to that. Yeah. You know, I I heard a a, a really funny story recently. I can't remember. Uh, it was an actor. Who? <laughs> okay, this is goofy. I'll probably cut this. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was an actor who uh, had a role 
I think he had a, he was in a film with, a, what's his name, a Morgan Freeman. And they never talked throughout the whole thing. And then one day they were, they were sitting there being silent and it was weird and awkward. And then all of a sudden, Morgan Freeman starts doing um, the name game with the guy's name. I can't remember what the actor was. So it was like, let's say it was Brian, Brian, Bobian, Banana, Fana, Fofian, Fifi, Momian, Brian. And then Morgan Freeman says to the actor, okay, now you do me. <laughs> and then so he did a Morgan, Morgan, Bo Morgan, Banana, Fana, Fofian, Fifi, Morgan, Morgan. <laughs> And then the guy goes, and then Morgan Freeman goes, nice. And that was it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> so goofy. But the reason why I thought of that was like, when you said, uh, you know, we picked each other. And I always feel like we teach our kids and our kids teach us. It's very mutual. And because time is such an artificial construct, who's to say, you know, nothing comes first, nothing comes Mm. last, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There there is a thing in Critical Role, my Dungeons and Dragons show, where there's a, a device that you can push your soul into, and millions of people can put their soul into it. And when they die, they're able to be reincarnated into a baby that's just being born. And so sometimes the child is actually the father and the fa- the older one is actually the child. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same teaching each other thing. That's exactly what I, I was just thinking. Think that's interesting. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking about, Beats. I was thinking yeah. about, you know, um, it's wild that you picked up on that because I didn't really say it. But it's mm-hmm. almost like now you be my parent. Now I'll be your parent. Exactly. You know? I totally feel that. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. And you know, when I when I interact with kids, like when I even like when I was interacting with Thea's kid back when I was staying at her at her place, um, I let them know really clearly, not with my words, but with my demeanor. I let them know really clearly that I see that wisdom in them, and that I accept their teachings and I accept their wisdom. And uh, and I know I did that to you right from the very beginning, literally the beginning when you, you popped out and I was looking into your eyes and then we had that interaction and <laughs> and I was like, teach me. <laughs> so it started early, as early as possible. But even when I do it with other kids who I just meet, the response that I get is so incredible. I mean, when you and I are, and you do it too, so when you and I are in grocery stores, um, how often do kids like try and crawl out of their strollers just to hang out with us? You know, yeah. they don't want, they just want to run and be with us. And even if we just pass by and say hi, because they recognize how we're honoring them and seeing them. Mm-hmm. It happens to the two of us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I felt the same way when I first met uh, Liam in this life. Yeah. You know, I just knew that he had an awful lot to show me. And he was coming from a place that was, a much purer place than where I was at that point, having had 37 years of um, human training, and and he was coming right from spirit, and yeah, so I was very very excited to get to learn about you know what he had to show me and teach me. Shall we move on to the next question? For sure. 
All right, cool. So uh, this next one goes like this. How did you navigate friendships with people who were not gently parented? And then a second part of that question is, did you ever see yourself as a parental figure to your friends? My, I had no trouble with friendships and there was nothing, we didn't really feel any blockage between each other. Because I personally think kids just play and get together so they can be together. They don't feel anything really blocking each other yet because of they just understand they want to be together to have fun. And I also did feel like a parental figure and I loved it. Oh, so tell more about that. I, I always was the person people would come to to talk about anything with. Okay. Everyone did it. It was weird. It was great because I knew everything about everyone because <laughs> they would always talk to me. <laughs> but it was like the CIA. Yeah, pretty much. It was strange, but it was it was nice to be trusted and then for for them to feel like they could trust me because they they could. And what do you think it was in you that that drew them to you and generated that trusting feeling? It's probably going back to that holding safe space kind of thing. Cuz I'm just open. I guess still happens to me with random strangers. Mm. They just start talking to me and then suddenly I know that their fourth cousin has died yesterday. Wow. So, yeah. So that sort of spurs a question in me. A lot of uh, kids get this question, which I always think is a goofy question, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> um, a lot of people ask kids, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, I'm still pondering that question for myself. Um, for sure. However, something that you just said sort of reminds me of somebody who feels really comfortable in the helping profession. And I'm wondering if you feel drawn to that at all. Not particularly. I, <laughs> I feel things really deeply, personally. So if I was around people who are always really emotionally down, I would probably feel that way myself oh, all the time. Okay. So I, I don't think I could handle that. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> and we, uh, we, help each other, we help each other in so many, not, you don't mean you and I, but I mean like in life, we help each other generally in so many ways, you know? Yeah. Like the help, the sense of wanting to help people, I think, is is very natural in you. And then how that gets expressed is what the journey of your life is partially about. You know, I remember people asking me similar a similar question when I was when I was young too. And I went into university gung ho, sure I was going to be a psychiatrist. And then that whole thing exploded and fell <laughs> apart. And I ended up in Africa doing well in Botswana doing volunteer work and come back and I didn't know what the heck I'm doing. Um. And so, uh, and I ended up doing exactly that. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. It just, it just took a little time to me, for me to figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have any experiences 
going to friends' houses, and that was awkward or difficult because of how their parents treated them, um, or anything like that, or them coming. Well, I guess it's a separate question, or them yeah. coming here and <laughs> yeah. what their experience was like. Me going there, the friends I had, their parents seemed to be quite open. They were mm. still traditionally parented, but on a much lesser degree. Oh, okay. And everyone, everyone's parents were very nice and very kind and very open. It was really nice. Yeah. Great. I knew most of them, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know all the ones that came over. Yeah. All the ones I was close to, you you knew them all. It helped being chair of the school council. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and what about the second part, them coming here? Did, did that? What was the experience like of your friends coming over here? They were always shocked because <laughs> it was so much more open. It was They were treated as equals here mm. and not a child and they were parents. And they were, like, from my memory, they seemed kind of tense in an energy type of way at first because that's how you are. And then they were questioning and then so open in the end because they felt like they could be themselves, true selves here, and do or say whatever and not feel judged or punished or something. It took a little time for them to like believe it was real kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It might have been, I don't know, a couple hours. Probably at a younger age, it was a couple hours. Yeah. But older, it was a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's really interesting. I was one of your friends. <laughs> I had a friend who um, whose parents were really wonderful they were really respectful and uh it was it was such a breath breath of fresh air to go to my friend's house and to be with his family and to just experience that it wasn't something that i experienced at home but i in retrospect i think these folks may have helped me realize that I could approach parenting in a different way when, if I was ever going to become a parent, which I was sure I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was sure I was not yeah. going to be a parent. But I thought, if I ever do, I'm going to keep these people in mind because I wanted to be able to enjoy a relationship and have my kid enjoy a relationship in which he felt honored and respected. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Never thought about it till now. Mm. Thank Amazing. you. Thank you, folks. <laughs> and I love that about being exposed and being around um, my 15-year-old's friends. Um, they often come to me and tell me things that they've seen and appreciate. And they talk to me very openly and freely about the things that they struggle with and that they go through with their home lives and in their personal lives and all of that stuff. And um, it, it really is so amazing to see that impact on people so young when they realize that, 
hey, maybe if I'm a parent one day, <laughs> I will do this differently. And it's mm. really a it's to give to a teen if you're around teens in your um, home life and your personal life, if you have teenagers yourself and their friends come over. It really is an amazing um, ripple effect that moves forward when a teenager realizes that there is another way to parent. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They will often come to me and thank me. And um, one of my son's young friends, she's a 14-year-old, she's actually listened to some of our podcasts and mm. um, bragged to her mom that she <laughs> loves to listen to these podcasts. And, you know, she shares with her mom the things she's learning about parenting. And, you know, it's just really amazing. She has no intention of having kids yet, but it's made this kind of an impact on her and um, she talked about how it's influenced her decisions for life work, wanting to become a social worker and help Amazing. teenagers. Wow. Really interesting to um, see that. Just um, she had overheard us recording a podcast months ago and thought, wow, that's amazing. And so she went and found them and really got <laughs> into it. And it incredibly impacted the trajectory of her life at this point in a very wow. positive way. Oh my wow. goodness. That's wow. so cool. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of made me cry when she told me about it. <laughs> yeah. I love giving uh I love giving young people my card and telling them, get your parents to watch my videos. <laughs> oh. yeah. That's cool. So we have two two more questions to go. And uh, you still up for it? Sure. Okay, cool. This has been so much fun. Yeah. So this next question goes like this. Do you feel deeply connected to the universe slash spirituality? The writer goes, I feel that humans are born in tune with the universe and society conditions us to disconnect. So what's it like being 22? and raised without all that disconnection? Cool <laughs> question. I think because I was raised with it as not two separate things, but one and the same, that I don't feel like a separation or anything. And I don't entirely understand. I don't know. Like a... Like I can, I know I can feel the universe and I know that the universe or something is kind of guiding everyone to do something in the end to get some sort of something done. <laughs> That's the way I can say it. Yeah. I guess. This question sort of reminds me, it sort of seems like asking a fish, hey, what's it like to live in all that water? <laughs> and yeah. the fish says, well, what are you talking about? This is, this is just where I live. Mm -hmm. Does that does that sound right? Yeah, that that resonates. Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of wild to ask what it's like to be raised without all that disconnection. When what have you to compare it to? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you were going to say something else? Oh, and Please. I do agree with one thing in the question that society kind of conditions us to forget about or not think about the universe as much or the energy stuff that's around us as much. Yeah. 
I agree with you. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, society actually tells us how we should think about it. You know, I think that's the point. Uh, sorry, folks, I, I'm going to say something a little controversial now. But I think that that is the point of, of organized religion, in a way. Think about spirituality this way, and how we tell you to, rather than what you know what, what is coming to you from within. Mm. And I could be wrong about that. So well, now um, you've crossed the bee's nest with a bat. <laughs> What's that? I said now you've gone and hit the bee's nest with a bat. <laughs> That's a great line. I've never heard that line before. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> yes. So maybe that was, might be a little too controversial for this. Oh, uh, goodness. No. I don't know. Well, it's, even if, it's not, even if it, they weren't originally designed that way, like many things in society, it's certainly used that way. You know, I mean, the education system is used that way, and the financial system is used that way, and the legal system is used that way. I don't think there's a... A system in society, the corporate system is used that way. The financial system is used that way. Did I say that one already? So I think, uh, I think, I think, um, I think, say it twice exactly. Financial system twice. Now three times. I think, uh, I think that, you know, you really hit on something there. And I think that's one of the reasons why this parenting path that we're all on and that we're sharing is so important. Because I think that, and you said this earlier, uh, Margie, that I think that the relationship itself is one of the best defenses against all of that influence, you know. And, uh, and certainly the, sa- the, the, the safety box at home, um, the relationship with, our, with us being a really safe place that reflects that is also an important part of uh, defending against all of these things that are used to tell us how to think and tell us how to feel and tell us how to relate to the universe. Yeah. Whew, it's a good save, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was very deep. Yeah. I love the bees. The bees nest line is the best, though. <laughs> the only line in the call that was better than that was freedom is being able to feel myself. That was that was the best line ever. Yeah. 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 And the, the reason I uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up is that you know when 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 Vitz was born i mentioned when you when you popped out and i was looking into your eyes and i tell this story a lot that the one of the things i asked you in the very beginning was and i used to talk to you like you could understand me even when you were born and uh, i i said what's it like where you just came from because i knew that you knew and you said this too margie you knew what it was like much better than me i had it knocked out of my life from for me 28 years of life and so I wanted to learn that from you. I was like, oh. And then part of my learning that from you, because what I heard back was, um, you are limitless and free, Dad, and you've forgotten this. And you said, help me remember that. That's what I heard from you. Help me remember that. Learn it yourself and help me remember it so I don't forget. And that became one of my main priorities. Ooh. Hence the fish in the water thing, I think. Yeah. You know? yeah. Cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. It's nice that you were able to hear her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I think we have time for another question. And this is the last question. And I like that we're wrapping it up with this particular question. <laughs> so are you ready? For sure. Sort okay. of. <laughs> so this one is, um, so many people have anger and resentment toward their parents. How would you, Veets, describe your relationship with your parents? I think my relationship is pretty good. <laughs> um, it's always been quite a nice experience for me, I think. So I don't hold any conscious resentment towards my parents. And I just feel good, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. You know, we, we get to hear a lot about <laughs> your relationship, um, the relationship that you guys share from your perspective, Vivek. Yeah. And it's, it's really a huge gift that you're giving us, Veet, to give us the other a different perspective of that relationship that so many people admire and aspire to. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, recently we were in an, art, in an art store together and we were looking at different beads and stuff. And, uh, and you wanted to get certain beads and I had it in my head, your mom and I had it in our head that we wanted these other beads and we kind of pressured you to get the other beads and there was this whole thing. And, uh, and we didn't really listen to what you were wanting. Um, I think we were both lost in our own stuff that day. And, uh, and one thing that I really appreciated was that you didn't hide that you were upset about that. <laughs> and then you were able to come and talk to us about it. And then we had a conversation about it. And I understood after you, I held, you know, holding space and letting you go through your own process, which is what you taught, the process you described about working with your own emotions. Mm -hmm. And then being able to come to us and, uh, and say, hey, dad, I was angry about this, and this is why, and this is what annoyed me, and this is why. And then I could say, I see that, it makes sense, I'm going to work on doing it differently in the future <laughs> and paying attention to that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I mentioned that because, you know, like the, those things happen even in our relationship. And what's different about it is how we work with it. Yeah. Right. I uh, what I'm what I'm hearing is that you have you both have a long I want to say um, oh I had a word and it popped out of my head. You both have the trust in your own truth. And in each other's truth, that you can hear and speak in a very clean way. Mm -hmm. By clean, I mean without all the uh, BS <laughs> and all the game playing and all the passive aggressive stuff. You just mm -hmm. are able to speak and know that you'll be he heard. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> any any final thoughts on anything at all before we 
we draw this to a close? I feel pretty, pretty good. good. I think. What would you tell parents? Like, you, the whole bunch of parents will be listening to this. What would you... You don't have to answer this one, but what would you tell them about their kids to help them with their kids, to help them with their relationship with their kids? What, would, what do you think is, like, most important for them to focus on? I think teaching them about the world and explaining things. Like, even little things. Like... Uh, I don't I don't know, nutrition on the back of a cereal box, like what each thing means, mm, stuff like that, how to water plants, I don't know, <laughs> stuff like that, and bigger stuff as well, of course, but on the minuscule level, what, what ants do, why ants are here, anything. Mm. Beautiful, having a real learning relationship. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's Smabo. <laughs> True. <laughs> Feels very much like Smabo, and I can't agree with the concept more. I mean, it's, it's so amazing, all the small stuff. Mom! <laughs> 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 Oh, that was the best. That was the best. Please leave that in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we all needed that, kiddo. We all needed that. Thank you. Small stuff is so important to slow down and really um, be present through the little things like the nutrition on the back of the box and what that means in the breakdown and, you know, why why things are the way they are and the way that all these little things about the universe and all of that small stuff and taking the time to really slow down mm. big stuff and the big moments and how much trust and confidence we have in a discussion in that big time is how the small stuff um, plays out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and another thing is to listen to kids' questions and try to answer them. And if you don't know, tell them you don't know. And then maybe you'll research it or not as well. Because kids have a lot of questions. I'd like to say something else about the relationship question um, that, that I just want people to kind of like get, the, get an idea. There was, a, there was a time recently where, maybe it was a year ago at this point, where uh, my wife and Beats and I were in the foyer i'm pointing at the foyers because we're sitting in our home I see. <laughs> you see me pointing and uh and we, we were just podcast. yeah exactly <laughs> and we were just getting ready to go out and we were talking about her moving out which is part of kind of like the, the future plan and we're working towards it and we're thinking about all the different aspects of it and uh and at one point i said i said something about i don't know put the couch make your buy this kind of couch or buy this kind of TV or whatever. I made some kind of suggestion. And in a joke, um, Feet said, don't tell me what to do. I'm, on, I'm my own person. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, wait a minute. Actually, I'm not really my own person. <laughs> and we all sat for a moment. And in a, there was like this moment of silence when she said that. And we all acknowledged that even though we're separate and we're individuals, we're also not. Because the connection that we had never got broken, so we are all in an integrated system with each other. And part of us is separate, but part of us is not. Mm. And there's that deep oneness, that deep connection, 
that really f- comes from SMABO too. And SMABO, for those that don't know, is uh, small moments affect big ones. And, uh, and from a lifetime of non-coercive relating and, and also like really focusing on joy and laughter and humor and connection and play and exploration and learning and all the stuff that we focused on has created that, um, that relationship of such deep connection that we share. And we don't talk about it a lot because most of the time we're too busy laughing and learning to actually talk about the fact that we're laughing and learning. Yeah. Um, but reflecting on it, I think, is really, uh, really beautiful. And that moment of saying, well, we're not really separate. And the interesting thing is we were talking about her moving out. So it's not like her not being separate meant she's not going to move out and have her own life. She's doing when she does it's when she does and she moves out. It'll be her spreading her wings into the world, not running to get away from us. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that is one of my one of my one of the things that's most beautiful in my life for sure. Just as the other day, I got to hang out with Liam. He he doesn't live with me. Mm. He he lives on his own, and um, I called him impromptu, and uh, we were you know we just were able to get together and have a really nice hang, and uh, it's just so glorious and fun and connected and sweet and um i it's wild to me to feel that connected thread i mean we haven't been living together for quite a long time now Mm. and still uh we enjoy a deep connection that transcends space and time and physicality absolutely yeah Yeah. i also have that strong connection with my adult son who also um lives on his own and you know interestingly i know we're getting to the end here but i did want to touch a little bit more on that um it's a very mainstream paradigm that our children can turn 18 and move out of the house and um I do want to challenge that paradigm a little bit. I really love what you said about how, you know, when she does move out, it's going to be her spreading her wings, not right. running away. And um, that's a beautiful thing to hold space for that. And also to re- recognize that sometimes when a family is healthy and a family nesting together in ways that is supportive of each other, um, you know, our children... Choosing to live at home with us um, can also be a very helpful thing. There's, I'm staying with my own mother for a short time currently right now, and um, she's got some broken vertebrae in her back. And Oof. so it's a it's a mutually beneficial situation. And um, as gentle parents, relying on that understanding that it's not always your children being a burden on society when um, they're home living with you. But it can also be a major blessing that we have a family that's so strongly connected that we are able to share a home, be that for a short time or for a long time, um, in a positive way and have those healthy relationships. And I'd really challenge that paradigm that thinking that a successful young person does not live at home with their parents because that's not necessarily a fact in any way. Right. I agree at 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I see your 100% and I raise it 200%. <laughs> yeah. 
Parroting, paradigm busting is a good uh, is a good is a good profession. I like it. Always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. and we're and, busters for parroting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that uh, reminds me of a topic that I think I will be bringing up in the near future, which is the unhurried child. Hmm. And uh, I'm excited to explore that with you guys. Same. Well, I think we've kept you uh, quite a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so grateful to you for giving us your time and your brilliance and your um, heart and your soul and this picture of your relationship that you share with each other. It's so magnificent. Mm-hmm. No problem. It was quite fun and interesting. Oh, I'm glad. I'm really grateful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of more, first of, I was going to say first of many, but at least first of more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, alrighty, folks, then uh, we will. Um, we'll catch up with you next week. Hope you have a great week. And uh, thank you for listening. It's great to have you here. We'll see you next week. Alrighty, everyone. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you liked it. We really love your thoughts and your questions, so do send them along. And subscribing, rating the show, and sharing it helps others find us. So please do that too. We'll catch you next week. Be well and be kind.